Today, I'd like to give a shout out to my friends at GI Pro Health. A lot of you are already familiar with GI Pro Health. They have a large list of high-quality vitamins, supplements, probiotics, and a very extensive list of vitamin supplements and probiotics that are legal on the specific carbohydrate diet. If you go there, you'll see that they have on the side of the page a menu where you can click and see all of the SCD legal products that they have, including yogurt starter. You can find them at giprohealth.com. That's G-I- P-R-O-H-E-A-L-T-H dot com. They also ship to Europe. They are shipping to Canada, although because of COVID, Canadian orders are delayed. You can always give them a call and find out more about their shipping processes to Canada. Just want to mention that one of the things that I respect most about GI Pro Health is that all of their products are sent through a rigorous testing procedure, both during and before and after the manufacturing process. All of their batches are tested for up to one year for strength and longevity. They are at 100% potency when you receive them. Go to their webpage, read more about them, check them out. I'm sure you'll be glad you did. Welcome to the SCD Specific Carbohydrate Diet Podcast. If something has been eating at you or eating at your gut, then I have good news for you. The specific carbohydrate diet, also known as the SCD, has helped countless people with a wide variety of health issues improve their quality of life. It's also a great way to eat if you just want to go grain-free or stay away from processed foods. Here, you'll find interviews with SCD experts as well as everyday people who actively follow the program, and you'll get tips to help you enjoy living the SCD, including resources, recipes, and more. I'm your host, Lee Bernstein. I live with gut issues. I live with autoimmune issues. And after trying many nutrition protocols, I found that the SCD is what works for me. If that's the same for you, or if you're looking to find out if it is, then let's enjoy living SCD together. I'm not an expert. I'm not a doctor. Nothing on this show is ever medical advice. I'm just someone who's thankful that the specific carbohydrate diet works. I'm thankful that it's given me my life back, and I'm especially thankful and excited about being here with you today. So if you're ready, let's begin. Hi, everyone. Welcome to 2021. I hope you're doing well. This year promises to be an exciting one for the Specific Carbohydrate Diet Podcast. And I am beyond delighted to launch the new year with an interview with Matt Herod. Matt is such a SCD success story. He started the Specific Carbohydrate Diet immediately when his first ulcerative colitis symptoms began at the age of 32. And even before he was diagnosed, he achieved full clinical remission. The reason why is because Matt has a very strong history of understanding SCD. He's also Elaine Gottschall's grandson, which, as most of you know, she's the woman who wrote the book about the specific carbohydrate diet, Breaking the Vicious Cycle. So Matt was raised around SCD. Also, Matt's mother, Judy Herod, is the president of Kirkton Press, which publishes Breaking the Vicious Cycle. Matt lives in Ottawa, Canada, with his wife and two-year-old daughter. 
the intelligence that has been in the Gottschall family has definitely been passed down to him. He holds a PhD in geology from the University of Ottawa. He's an expert in radioactive waste management and isotope geochemistry. He loves hockey, soccer, and cross-country skiing. Before we begin, as you will hear in the following interview, there's an excellent section that talks about food labels. Matt has asked me to remind everyone that if you're in doubt about whether or not a packaged food is SCD legal, ask the company if they can send you a letter that specifically states that there is strictly nothing else in the ingredients aside from what is listed on the label. Okay, with that in mind, enjoy. Let's begin. Hi, Matt. It's such a pleasure to have you here today. Thanks for being with us. We're looking forward to hearing everything you have to say. Thanks, Lee. I'm really happy to be here too. Yours has been a very rich life with the background of having been raised around the specific carbohydrate diet, and that's something we'll go into very shortly. But before we do that, I'd like to talk a little bit about when people want to write about or talk about the specific carbohydrate diet. I know that when I started my website for this podcast, I was very careful to contact your mom, Judy Herod, who uh, she and your dad oversee the publishing company that put out Breaking the Vicious Cycle. And one of the rules and regulations that they have and that you help them enforce is that they get permission from the company to use the words SCD or specific carbohydrate diet. Talk to us a little bit about that and let people know what they need to know if they decide that they want to use the name of the publication and the diet. Sure. So uh, it's so as you said, um, Kirkton Press owns the trademarks for SCD and specific carbohydrate diet, um, and is the publisher of the book. And that was started by my grandmother Elaine. That company. Um, we only publish one book, um, and if you want to use the the SCD or trademark because they are registered um, to legally use those, you do have to have permission from the public, the owner of the trademark, which is. Kirkton Press. So it's it's very simple. You just reach out to Kirkton Press um, through the and the information how to do that is in the book um, and uh, or Kirkton at eagle.ca is the email. And all you do is uh, just ask that permission. Um, explain what you're doing, what you want to do. Um, if you're writing a cookbook, you know, send a draft of the cookbook um, because we do verify and ensure that people are actually giving legal advice. Uh, when they are uh, using the trademark. Um, there is a nominal fee. Um, we keep it very low uh, in the interests of, uh, you know, because the diet and the book are about helping people. So it's not about, uh, you know, the profit for the company, but we are obligated to charge a nominal fee for that service because um, there is a bit of a legal Once money is it, Once money is exchanged, like that. Then, it makes it, then it makes it for real. Yeah, that's right. So, um, so that's all there is to it. It's really very simple. So we had just asked that, you know, if people want to start a blog or a cookbook or, you know, counseling or, or anything they really want to do that involves SCD, um, that, uh, that they just reach out. Um, it also helps us ensure that the, uh, the quality is kept high and that people are giving legal advice that follows the, follows the diet properly, uh, because we, you know, we don't want to dilute the, uh, 
the credibility of the diet by uh, having lots of illegal or not legal non-adherent stuff out there. Good. Uh, thank you so much for that. I know that when I'm traveling the internet a lot of times, out, and people are doing it innocently, they're not trying to abuse anything, but I'll see a blog, for example, that has a recipe that is compliant with what SCD offers, but the trademark sign is not there and they haven't reached out for permission. And everybody, it really, really is important that you do that. And the more all of us adhere to it, the more people are going to learn that they need to do it too. So thank you. Thank you. Now, on yeah, to you. you know it's not malicious that people no, are using right. it for their blog and things like that. And we're not out searching for them and trying to get anyone piece and business letters or anything like that. But uh, it just really, it's about making sure that the quality of the advice is uh, follows the diet properly. Very good. Thank you so much. Now, you have ulcerative colitis. Yes, I do. You have not had it all your life. No, I was diagnosed about a year ago uh, at the age of 32. So interesting, having been brought up with SCD all around you and then not having any problems like that until as late as last year. That's interesting. Mm -hmm. So when did you get diagnosed exactly? What was the process like for you? And what's the journey been like so far? So um, I was diagnosed a little over a year ago, like September of 2019. Um I was having, you know, a lot of urgency and, you know, the, the blood, the, the mucus, the usual symptoms, right, that are um, not pleasant. Um, and so even before being diagnosed, I mean, I went on SCD right away, like before any formal testing beyond a little blood work had been done. Um, and I immediately noticed some improvement. Um, but in the interest of thoroughness, we decided my doctor... Uh, just general practitioner and I, family doctor at this at the time decided, you know, it could be parasite. So go on a, an antibiotic. In my case, I went on Flagyl. Oh, yeah, uh, Flagyl, yeah. Yeah, really did not do well with that. Um, I got so much sicker on that antibiotic than I was originally because um, I was actually doing really well. Like I was still able to go to work, play soccer. Not great, but not bad either. But um, but yeah, flagell messed me right up. Mm -hmm. I think, you know, my hypothesis is basically like completely allowed um, any good intestinal flora that I had been redeveloping while on the early stages of the diet to completely, it just killed it all. And the only thing that was left was like, my, my hypothesis anyway, is that it was like sulfate reducing bacteria, um, which produce a lot of hydrogen sulfide, which is a very highly toxic gas. Um, and so that's my hypothesis as to why I so rapidly got much sicker, but I have absolutely no evidence to support that. Just, just my thinking um, around that. Anyway, so then, um, you know, a few trips to the emergency room for rehydration, basically mm -hmm. just getting rehydrated. Um, wow, you really did get a lot healthy. sicker. Yes, I did. Um, um, and then so I got a like an urgent colonoscopy done and that immediately was diagnosed with pancolitis. Um, the biopsies confirmed it as well. Um, and backwash ileitis as well. And so that- and explain to listeners what those two, what those two mean. So pancolitis is essentially your entire colon is inflamed. Um, and then backwash ileitis is that some of that is 
going from the colon back into the small intestine as well, but not the entirety of the small intestine was inflamed. So it's kind of rising up into That's the right. upper end. Yeah. Okay. So both of those conditions, you know, my the the gastroenterologist said to me, like, you know, surgery for you is imminent within a month or so, like if mm. we don't get this under control right away. Um, so I went on prednisone right away. Um, you know, the, uh, the usual, I think it was like an eight week course of that starting at 40 milligrams. Um, and then I also went on uh, the elemental diet at the suggestion of Christine Bowen, um, who had already previously helped my sister and my, my father with some, and, some of their and who has been interviewed on this podcast a couple yes. of times. Yeah. So she was a, a godsend knowing her, knowing her and her, you know, so she recommended the elemental diet, which was not something I had heard of much before. Now um, that is where you're doing primarily liquids. Is that right? Or explain to people what that liquid, is. Um, pretty much. So it's like, I think of it like baby formula for adults, essentially. Mm -hmm. Like it's a full <laughs> meal nourishment, you know, batter or nutritional replacement. So I would just like prepare mixing the, the the formula powder in with some water and then dilute it with, uh, I was diluting with a tiny bit of juice as well, just to improve the flavor. Although it doesn't taste too bad, to be honest. Um, kind of tastes like a milkshake. It's, it's really not that objectionable, <laughs> uh, but you drink a lot of it. So I was drinking that like all day, every day um, for two weeks. And I did not eat period for like a t anything, like maybe a little chicken broth, clear chicken broth in the latter stages, but I, I didn't need anything, no food, um, for that amount of time. So I had lost that helped me ma maintain my weight. But prior to that, I had lost like 23 pounds, um, just when I was th at the sickest point. Um, so between and that, it was and weight that it was weight that you really could not afford to lose. Correct. Um, well, I wouldn't have minded losing 10 pounds at the time, <laughs> but I was you know, went far beyond that to a really quite un, like an unhealthily low weight um, for a adult. Like, I think I was at, you know, like 140 something, 145, 147. And how tall are you? I'm like 5'10". So I was okay. quite thin. Yeah. Yeah. Um, when I was, yeah, at the worst point. Um, and I looked very thin and gaunt. Uh, anyhow, so... Um, so between the prednisone and the elemental diet, I did see like immediate improvement. Um, those two things coupled, I think really did help. I, I fully think the prednisone helped me, um, as did the elemental diet, um, just the bowel rest that that entailed. So then I start, I went back on the intro diet, you know, just chicken soup, chicken broth, some very pureed carrots and, uh, that kind of thing. Um, pureed squash, um, and with Christine, I, you know, gradually started to introduce more and more. And um, to some degree, I followed the pecan bread stages, but not exclusively by any means. Um, they were more helpful as sort of as somewhat guidance. But I mean, generally for me, like starting off with just well-cooked everything, right? No raw vegetables, no raw fruit at, in the early stages and seeing how those things went. And, um, you know, I had a few hiccups. Um going too quickly to like uh, tomato sauce, for example, like a really rich tomato sauce, um, cabbage, stuff like that, but, but never so much that it sent me back into like a flare level, just sort of hiccups. Right. Um, 
anyway, so I gradually, throughout all of last winter, just introduced food after food. And after at this food. point, your, your original doctor, your gastroenterologist had told you that you would ha- absolutely have to have surgery. Mm-hmm. But you by, you were able to circumvent that by through doing the like element. rapid improvement through the um, elemental diet and the prednisone. So if I hadn't improved much, we probably, I don't know, I'm, I would not have liked to have gone down that road, right? I would have fought against that, I think, uh, for more time for SCD to work. Um, but, uh, but yeah, luckily I was, I did see rapid improvement on the prednisone and the elemental diet and, and SCD. So then, you know, by, I had some hiccups with early medication as well. Like, um, the whole five ASA class of drugs, mesalamine, I'm allergic to those. Uh, I have a weird reaction to them. Um, in that I get like a really high fever. Um, oh, wow. Which is a super unusual reaction to those drugs from what I can tell reading the literature. Um, in the medical literature, I only found one paper on that similar reaction. Um, so like really high, like 104 Fahrenheit fever. That is really from high. That really dr- From that drug. Yeah, really weird. So um, I went on those for a short time. Um, the initial, it took a while for the initial reaction to occur. Then I went off them and then I tried a different one. And like within a day, the fever came back. So pretty clearly that class of drugs caused it. Um, then last January, I went on uh, azathioprine, Imeran as well. So I've been, and I've been consistently on SCD the entire time. So I'm still currently on azathioprine and SCD as my joint um, therapy. You've come a long way in a year. I have come a long way. Yeah. An incredibly um, long way. Um, so I have to ask, when you were being raised around your grandma and your mom and, you know, you had your sister who was on SCD, were you eating SCD because the family was preparing meals that way or was your diet more mainstream? I would say it was a bit of a mix. Um, we definitely ate a lot of SCD. There's no denying that. I mean, my mom still eats it and has always. Um, But we did eat more mainstream foods as well. Growing up, we weren't exclusively on SCD um, as a family. Um, So yes, I would say it was a mix because neither my sister nor I had any inkling that, you know, I had no inkling that I would have uh, IBD in my life. Uh, I was perfectly fine up until last summer. So really, uh, no, I was eating a, a mainstream, generally mainstream diet. There was certainly more SCD influence in my diet than, mm-hmm. than in most mm-hmm. people. But, uh, but yeah, I mean, we've always used almond flour, for example, right? We've all, always made a lot of SCD recipes as a family and growing up. And maybe the strongest influence being that once you became symptomatic, you knew immediately to put yourself on that diet. Um, just do you have do you do you have any doubt at all that if it hadn't been for the flagell, you would have been able to just continue on the right track and not have the setbacks that you did? No, I think if it hadn't been for the flagell, I probably would have continued to improve, uh, like to the point where who knows what my diagnosis would have been when I eventually got in to see a GI. Right, right. Um, like my, I was on a you know a long waiting list to see one um, because early on my symptoms were generally well controlled and I was managing, um, reasonably well, but 
uh, especially and improving on SCD significantly. So who knows if when I had gotten in to see the GI in the original conception of my treatment plan, if I would have been with pancolitis and and that severe, right. but I, I really think the flagell like escalated things a hundred. It can really get you. It can really get you. Now, just a just a little note to everyone out there: we're not saying that if your doctor recommends that you should take it, you shouldn't take it. Uh, it's just something to question and maybe to look into. From my own experience, I suffer from diverticulitis, and I've had two bouts where I became um, abscessed. And that becomes very life-threatening at that point. And I had to take not only Flagyl, but something called Ciproflaxin, Cipro for short. Those two together, you might as well just have a nuclear holocaust in your gut. Uh, But yet, had I not gone on them, it might have been much worse. It It might have been, I might have lost my life. So, you know, there's a lot of circumstances where you have to weigh everything very, very carefully. One thing that I'm interested in, I don't know if you have an opinion, and of course, Matt, it wouldn't be a medical opinion, nor would mine be, but any thoughts on if someone is told to go on that type of an antibiotic, whether they should continue to take probiotics during the while they're taking it? During that process? Mm-hmm. Uh, personally, I mean, I have no recommendations to make to other people whatsoever. That's for sure. I mean, I w- personally would probably continue to take a probiotic um, while I was on an antibiotic, um, you know, and continue to eat SCD yogurt. That's for sure. Um, I wouldn't change that. But uh, but no, I have no no other recommendations to make beyond what I would do for myself. I need to get someone on the show that is an expert in what to do that can actually give advice on what you might want to consider doing if you're putting on, if you are on antibiotics like that, because it is something for a lot of people to consider. Yes, yes. And having been through a bit of a disaster with antibiotics in the past, I really can appreciate what you had to say. So um, you have been on SCD off and on all your life, but only really on it, really, really on it the last year. How zealous are you following it? I'm pretty compliant. Um, as much as I possibly can be, I would say. Uh, for me, you know, I'm fortunate that I also have family, like a lot of family support with following the diet as well. And that makes a huge difference. Um because you know I'm I'm lucky my my mom lives not only a few hours away and so I can you know she cooks SED and I can get some stuff from her from time to time that really helps and you know I, I don't know how people do SCD without a chest freezer so I have a few I have two freezers right and it makes a world difference uh, for me as well having that ability to go into the freezer and get food um, that's uh, that's ready to go soups and things like that that are easy um, to heat up. Uh, yeah, so I'm um, pretty zealous. I mean, you have to make a judgment call whether or not you're willing to trust ingredient labels on foods. Um, and that's a hard thing to do because, you know, a lot of the advice out there that I see is do not trust them. Um, essentially, you know, or the letter from the company. Um, so you do have to make that judgment call for yourself, I think, um, and use your critical thinking abilities to determine whether or not 
the food you've got is going to be legal or not, because it's so difficult these days to find anything beyond you know, fresh fruits and vegetables, if it's, if it comes in a can, comes in a package, it is so difficult these days to judge whether or not that item is going to be legal or not. And we can't, quite frankly, cannot email or get letters on letterhead from every single company that makes this stuff. It's just impossible. So at some point, you do have to use your own critical thinking abilities. Um, you know, and I, I highly recommend people go and read for their respective country, um, regulations from their, for the US, I guess it would be the FDA for Canada. It's the Canadian right. Food Inspection Agency. Right. Like, personally, um, you know, I went and read the food and drug regulations here in Canada um, very closely. And then I emailed the CFIA, Canadian Food Inspection Agency, to get some clarity on uh, on their rules. Uh, and that has really helped me understand. What did you find out? What I did you stuff. ask them about and what did they tell you? That's interesting. So I asked them, you know, how, well, yeah, how far can I trust ingredient labels? Like what is in these things that does not need to be listed? So here in Canada, the rule essentially is if it makes a substantive change in any way to the food product itself, it needs to be listed. Um, so, you know, if sugar is added to make something sweeter and it makes something sweeter, that sugar must be on the ingredient label. Right. Where things get really sticky and difficult is in processing aids. And to be honest, I still don't have full clarity on those sort of things. So, you know, try to buy foods, I guess, that are as least the least processed as possible. Um, but, you know, uh, like an excellent example is like canned tomatoes. Right. Really difficult to know <laughs> about that. So, um, you know, I did both like the CFIA. The inclination from them is that they would be generally, you know, if it's just tomatoes on the label, then there should just be tomatoes in there. Um, then you can email the company as well and get that confirmation as a second level if you're interested in that particular brand. So that would be my approach. Uh, there's a, a lot out there about the 2% rule on spices or in general. Um, I don't know about the states. In Canada, the 2% rule only applies to spices. Um, it does not apply to 2% of everything in the in the material. In other words, um, if it's something that in the ingredients that is 2% or under, it doesn't need to be listed on the label. In Canada, that would only be for spices. For spices only. Okay. Yeah. For um, other jurisdictions, I have no idea right. um, about that. But for Canada, that 2% that rule is very specific. Um, the spices. There's also, I mean, in the regulations, there's also a lot of information on processing aids. It's just really hard to um, to understand them. So uh, <laughs> it's helpful to go and email some people at the CFIA or the FDA and ask for some clarity about it um, because it, it really does help like in understanding the level of safety of your food of your food and its compliance with this with SCD. Yeah, it, it's something to be very, very careful with. I know because I suffer from gluten intolerance. I look, you know, if something says gluten-free on the label, it can mean that it's just naturally occurring gluten-free. If it says certified gluten-free, then I know that it's less than 10 parts per million gluten. Mm. Actually, I take that back for in the States, for something to say gluten-free on the label, it needs to be 20 parts per million or less. 
or they can't stay gluten-free. I do best with 10 parts per million or less. So I try to find things that are certified gluten-free. But then this was this was something that happened with Cheerios years ago. Uh, how often are they pulling the stuff off the line to test it? And this particular batch of Cheerios might be testing at 20 ppm or less, but then the next batch might be higher and the quality regulation isn't always there. So yeah, it's something definitely to look into and it can be very frustrating <laughs> trying yeah. to figure out what it all means. Exactly. I wonder, are there, I wonder if there are any books out there that break down all of the different sections of, say, the Food and Drug Administration. I'll have to look into that. I'll have you to research that a little go bit. Go to their website and start to look. I mean, Canada actually just updated its food and drug regulations. So, uh, For the better, I hope. I'm not sure. I don't know what the old ones <laughs> look like, to be honest. I hope. Um, but you never know with the food lobby. Is the There's thing. a lot of it out there. There's a lot of power. And it's There's really a lot of power. hard to know what to trust. So that's why I really recommend like getting in touch with them directly to mm -hmm. ask these questions because um, it was helpful. Um, you know, dry roasted is another example where it's really tough. Like if you go and look any anything dry roasted, there's a pretty good chance that it was rolled in starch before it mm -hmm. was roasted. Uh, because that is how you dry roast something. You have to roll it in starch as like a drying agent, I suppose. Um, but they don't have to list starch on the ingredient label. They do, but they do have to specify dry roasted versus regular roasted, which is coated in oil, which would be perfectly fine mm -hmm. for STD people to eat. So it's, there's a d big difference between like, uh, you know, roasted nuts and my, you know, from Costco, which are oil coated versus dry roasted, which are starch coated. Uh, you know, one is perfectly fine and one is, uh, you know, avoid at all costs. Reading the label each time someone purchases something is important too, just because this happened to me with some frozen vegetables a couple of years ago that I was buying consistently that were fine, they were fine, they were fine. And then I brought home another batch of vegetables and I ate them and had a reaction within 15 minutes. I looked at the label and bingo, now it says also processed in a plant that processes wheat, and it was never there before. A lot of places change manufacturing plants. It's not always the same. So mm -hmm. as redundant as it seems, looking at the label every single time can be very important in making sure that, that nothing's been changed because it changes and it doesn't look like it, but yet it's there. So yeah. thank you for that. That was really good information. Um, had you read... Breaking the vicious cycle before following the specific carbohydrate diet. I had read parts of it. Yeah, I had read. I had read it. I would say not all, maybe all at one time, but definitely over the years, I had. I had read the entire book. And then after your diagnosis, had did you read it from page cover to cover, or? Yeah. Well, yes and no because I mean, again, I went and read the early intro bits again, and you know, I didn't go through the recipes again or anything like that. But I, I mean, I have a copy. Well, I have several copies actually, but uh, uh, you know, I have my one in the kitchen that is flipped open all the time, right? That I've I've got different recipes that are my favorites in there, uh, for sure. Is that the part that most resonates with you about the book or the recipes? No, for me, it's the science part. Ah, uh, I'm not surprised. 
yeah, I'm, I'm a scientist. And so for me, that is always been the part that resonated for me with the book was, uh, just how well it's written, how clear, like the plain language, uh, approach of it all is, is phenomenal. Like I often have to write scientific stuff in plain language and it's an incredibly difficult task. Um, and so my granny had just done a brilliant job doing that. Uh, so, you know, cause even I, you can, anyone can understand it. A 12 year old kid can understand it. The diagrams are simple. The, the writing is clear. There's no jargon. There's no, there's no need for it. And so, and it just, it makes perfect sense. It does. I know that's what sells a lot of people on the book is when they get to the part that talks about what a monosaccharide is and how your digestive tract responds completely different to monosaccharides than they do disaccharides, you know, whatever. And that whole science behind it just makes so much sense. I hope that everyone out there that has the book has read that part of it because it gives you a lot of clarity and a lot of, I think, um, faith in choosing the right foods, knowing exactly why they work. They're going to work even if you don't completely understand it, but I think it helps if your brain is coordinating with your gut at the same time. Yeah. Yeah, And I would say it makes that critical thinking judgment easier as well, Mm -hmm. if you understand what you're doing, you know, like if you're looking at ingredient labels and different foods and you understand why one food might be uh, legal versus one food not being legal, um, you know, the website has a lot of that information on some of the more obscure ingredients and the knowledge base, that kind of thing. Like, you know, pectin and why beer isn't legal as a fermented food, even though it's fermented, right? Those sort of little details. Um, it's not, doesn't have everything, you know, granny could not research every food out there, but it is, uh, it is a great resource. Um, and if you understand the science behind why we're doing this diet, um, it does help you when you're trying to, you know, think critically about what it is that you are eating. What are your favorite recipes in the book? What does one? Oh, for me, it's, it's hands down the waffles, uh, slash the pancakes, like the Midas waffles. Oh, I love them. I (laughs) eat them all the time. My daughter loves them too. Like she eats them for breakfast at least twice a week or a snack, like all the time. So we're, we cook a ton of those waffles. So you're Um, doing the traditional waffle iron waffles. Yes. In that case, I have a waffle iron. And so I spend most weekends, I spend a little bit of time in the morning making a double batch, double recipe of those waffles because they're really, really good. Um, yeah. I do not I, have a waffle iron. You've inspired me. Oh, they are so easy. And I tell you with like a little bit of stewed fruit on them, Ooh, they yeah. are to die for like some blueberries or peaches or something. Oh, when nectarines were in season here in Canada, I could get, you know, get the Ontario nectarines and they were just phenomenal on, mm. on the waffles. What are you doing to them? Are you are you just putting them on? Are you cooking them first? Are you putting them in honey? Uh, well, I, I don't need to put, I don't like to put the fruit in honey because uh, I like the tartness of it myself. But um, for the nectarines, just, yeah, chop them up in the pot. And, uh, you know, maybe if they're not, if they're not juicy enough for whatever reason, maybe a little bit of water, but yeah, yeah. Just like n- nicely stewed a little bit and uh, nice. reduced down and on right on the waffles they go blueberries are even easier to reduce down like that they take two seconds i'm going on amazon after i'm done and i'm gonna get a waffle iron i've been wanting to do it for the longest time and now i'm gonna do it i've had the pancakes 
then they're okay. very good, but the, it's the same really, recipe. waffles are fun. Now that you're in remission, are you going to continue to follow SCD as as fully as you have, or do you think you're going to be branching out and trying some other things slowly but surely? Um, so I've been in remission now since like quite for quite a decent amount of time. Um, actually, like uh, I had a I've had no symptoms essentially since May, April of last year, maybe even a bit earlier. And then I had a calprotectin in June that was 11, I think was the, the Good number. Good for you. So, I mean, as low as possible. And I recently had a follow-up scope that was completely clean, zero signs of colitis whatsoever. So I am in complete remission at the moment. Um, but despite that, I have not really branched out <laughs> on the diet. I have to say, I've you know, I thought I would, um, but I just I haven't needed to, or I haven't felt like an urge to do so very much. Um, you're maybe happy one or two with little what you're eating. I have. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Really happy. Like one or two little things I did try. I think we got some red lentil pasta and I tried that one day, um, just like mixed in with some zucchini noodles. And that was pretty decent. That was good. But, um, and that was fine. But you know, we only ate it once and I have a big bag of it down in the basement. I haven't even bothered to eat it. Again. <laughs> <laughs> Even though it seems like I'm perfectly fine with it. Um, and red lentil pasta, everybody, is not SCD legal because it not. it's not soaked. The lentils are not soaked before the pasta is made. And it's very important that you pre-soak your lentils with anything that you make. However, if you look online, there are people that are making red lentil pasta with pre-soaked lentils. And Welby's now has red lentil flour. So, wow. and yeah, so you can, and there, theirs is the only, as far as I know, the only red lentil flour that is made from pre-soaked lentils. So it is SCD compliant. In large quantities, your grandmother might have said that you needed to adjust it a little bit. If you look in Breaking the Vicious Cycle, there are some parts talking about starch content and not wanting to go too high. I, I, I'm not really well-versed enough to comment on it, but there are people that are putting in water and some egg and mixing it up and making pasta and doing Incredible. quite well. Yeah. Yeah. Really fun what people are doing. And that was a great innovation of Welby's to come out with that. Um, mm -hmm. Just yeah. to so I might look into that because I actually have a pasta maker from pre SCD days that I haven't used in a couple of years now. Let me know. But, uh, so I could try it out and make my own. That would be even better, um, to be honest. And I've seen uh, people online that are doing it with pasta makers. They're cranking it out the old-fashioned way, and they're really happy with it. So let me know. Anything. Let I me know. Will, I'll yeah. steal your recipe from you. <laughs> I think uh, where I saw it, where, where people can look, if you go to Facebook and you go to the group that's called Breaking the Vicious Cycle, SCD community. It's a closed group. You do have to ask to belong to it, but they are very generous in allowing people in if they're legitimate about following the SCD or learning more about it. I think there someone posted making uh, red oh. lentil um, pasta. And if they have a search box where you can go in and you can look for it. So Amazing. Th that might be a good place to start for people that are trying to figure it out. But it's interesting that you have really not felt the urge. You know, all of those foods that you have to give up in the beginning that you think you're never going to be able to live without, it really isn't that difficult. 
No, like I thought it, I thought, you know, maybe I would try a potato because I've got a great garden outside and I grew some potatoes this year for my wife and oh boy, are they just beautiful. But um, I haven't bothered to try one yet. And maybe that's partially nervousness yeah. on my part as well. You know, I'm doing so great. Um, you know, and some foods still give me trouble. Like if I overeat on the, you know, on the nuts, for example, mm-hmm. one day, I still get some troubles, um, a bit of an upset stomach. So, you know, and while I'm in remission, it seems like I'm still sensitive to some foods. And maybe that's unrelated to my colitis and the fact that I have been eating such a compliant diet that anything that is even a little bit outside the norm for me does cause a slight reaction. It, it may simply be too much of a good thing, sort of, so to speak, in that case, you know, some, I stu- you know, I cooked some walnuts up with uh, Brussels sprouts the other night and um, they were, it was just delicious, but yeah, I think I overdid it on the walnuts. Um, I didn't soak them in in advance and maybe that's something I should try to do before I cook them that way. I've heard that soaking can help. That's I've, I've not tried that, but um, so often what I use walnuts in is baked. So they're kind of mm-hmm. Cooked. going through a process anyway. Yeah. I make sure that all of the nuts that I buy are certified gluten-free. And I find that that helps uh for e- even for people that don't have to eat gluten-free. Once you get into eating a larger quantity of nuts, if they're not certified, all of a sudden you're going over that 20 parts per million and you know, it, gluten is something that is not allowed on SCD. So Sometimes I wonder if raising those levels in foods when you're eating more of it might cause a reaction in addition to the food itself. I have no idea. I have no idea. But the, you know, the bottom line is that even just having like, I have such a a nervousness, I guess, about a recurrence of my colitis, right? Because, you know, I was bedridden a year ago, couldn't even do the simplest thing, uh, yeah. except go to the washroom. And I cert- I couldn't look after my daughter. I was supposed to be on paternity leave and I couldn't do anything. So I had just have no desire whatsoever to even tempt fate to return to that place. Um, and I'm so comfortable and happy eating on SCD. I, you know, I made Ramon Prasad's focaccia bread the other night. It's so good. It is so good. It's so, it's so good. easy. Like one of the best um, breads I've ever eaten on SCD. I'm without question. For, I'm looking um, for my cookbook. That is, I want to say which cookbook that's in. That, um, oh boy. Because he has two that he's come out with. One yeah, I have it is handy. the autism one. S- one is SCD for autism. Here it is. It's recipes for the specific carbohydrate, carbohydrate diet. diet. That's it. It's a great and, cookbook. Uh, it's so good. There's some really good stuff in there. Like the, there's another one that's like, a, I think it's like an African peanut stew that's in here and um, really nice. And um, yeah, but the focaccia is absolutely to die for. So, you know, it's like when you have great stuff like that, you know, why do I really need to buy a loaf of uh, bread from the grocery store? Like, like mm-hmm. what is the, why would I go buy focaccia from the grocery store when I can make something so delicious, that's even more delicious? And that's really good for you. 
Yeah. Whether you, whether you have to follow SED or not, this is mm -hmm. a, a recipe that's really good for you instead of the processed yeah. stuff that you're going to pull off the shelf. Yeah. The only thing I miss about actual bread is the chewiness of yeah. bread and pitas and stuff and like a noun bread, which I have yet to see possible to replicate on SCD. I'm pretty sure that comes from the gluten. So yeah, <laughs> there's, I'm there's pretty no sure way. it does. So, um, you know, it is what it is, but, uh, but to be honest, like other than a couple of little things here and there, like that chewiness, I guess I, I really don't miss miss it. And like, you know, we're having uh, I know what my wife and I are having for dinner. Like we're having um, breaded cod tonight with uh, <gasps> almond good. flour breadcrumbs on it. And it's going to be phenomenal. So I have yeah. no, you know, like fish and chips almost. Right. We'll probably mm -hmm. do squash fries with it. Like what am I missing? I'm not I'm not missing much. And you're giving your body what it things was. like that. Yeah, it sounds good. Can I you come know, for takes dinner? a little more planning. Yeah. Pardon me. Can I come for dinner? Yeah. I can sure. be there in about I don't know twenty hours. I don't. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It takes a long time to fly from New Mexico to Ottawa. <sighs> oh, I wouldn't want to fly right now anyway. So. No. You have one for me. Have one for me. So you were talked about growing potatoes for your wife and. Uh, but yet your daughter really loves the SCD waffles. It sounds like your family's kind of experiencing a lot of what you experienced when you grew up, that they're not 100% SCD, but they're getting the benefits of a lot of those really good foods. Yeah, pretty much. I mean, my daughter, she's almost two and she's extremely picky. So, you know, finding foods that she likes has been a challenge. Um, and But she really likes some SCD cooking. Like, so quite happy to give that to her. You know, like most toddlers, she likes bread, bready things. The starch seems to be very popular for toddlers. And um, we can trick her by giving her almond bread and banana pancake and waffles that are SCD and uh, get a little more nutrition into her. And she's just as happy. So we, there is I mean, we still have bread, regular bread too. But yeah. There is a recipe on YouTube, Dr. David Suskind has it. It's called um, oh, Manny's Banana Bread. Okay. And kids love, love, love that recipe. You can, uh, now you actually, I've made it for my grandson without honey because before he was a year old, he wasn't allowed honey. And it is delicious. Oh, I yes, put some, he was allowed raisins. I put some raisins in, but that's a really cool recipe. If you're looking for something bread-like and starch-like for your daughter, you might enjoy making it. I will. Maddie, she loves CD banana bread. That's for sure. This is M-A-D-D-I-E apostrophe S, Maddie's banana bread. And it's you can find it on YouTube. I don't know that they okay. have it published anywhere else. Um, any tips or it. tricks? Yeah. Any tips? Do you, do you travel at all now with your job? Or are you homebound? Not these days. I'm homebound. But uh, okay. my work prior to this involved um, a fair bit of travel. And um, were you, ex some were cases, you experiencing like, that before, before COVID? Or did you have to no. travel on SCD? Only locally. So only for a few day trips around the Ottawa region. So in those cases, it was simple to simply pack my lunch and some snacks. Um, I was really prior to COVID about to go to London, England for a work trip um, that ended up being canceled. 
but I was essentially preparing myself to travel on SCD. Um, and at that time, it was only last March. So I hadn't been on for that long and I hadn't been well for that long. So I was slightly, I was nervous at the time about it. Um, you know, I spoke to Ali Argemand about some tips and tricks because he's done a fair bit of travel on SCD. So he's an awesome uh, person to talk to about that question. Um, and he gave me some good advice. And, you know, I think uh, what I, for me, what I had planned was to try to eat um, as simply as possible, right? Uh, in restaurants, I was going to have to eat in restaurants. Um, you know, I wasn't going to be able to prepare my own food to any significant amount. Um, so that was definitely a concern. But, um, you know, at least you can usually find a restaurant that you can get a nice piece of chicken or a nice steak mm -hmm. um, in. And I was actually, the only thing I was going to prepare for myself was when I got there, I was going to go to the grocery store and make some, buy some salad dressing materials and make mm -hmm. them in my hotel room. So, so that I could just have, you? yeah, carry it around and just have some salad dressing uh, when I needed it, um, and some simple, maybe some stuff like that to, you know, have some snacks, right? Um, but I wasn't. I was worried about not having the yogurt um, for a week or two, but uh, Ali reassured me that that wasn't such a big concern. Um, and you know, since then I've gone. You know, I went to the cottage for a few weeks and I didn't have the yogurt with me or I ran out pretty quick, pretty early on in my stay there and, uh, not a big deal. So, you know, it just is what it is. Uh, when you get back, you can make some more, but, some um, more. yeah. Were you taking any probiotics at all or do you use the yogurt as your main source of probiotics? For now, that's my main source of probiotics. Cause I haven't been able to find, um, a good one here in Canada yet. I haven't looked all that hard just because I've been doing so well that I haven't felt the need to look all that hard sure. um, for a legal probiotic that I, that is a, of high quality um, that I can have. But, uh, but, you know, I mean, I know Viz Biome is out there and they're quite, for a good one, they're quite expensive as well. So I've been mainly using the yogurt as my, my key source of probiotics, but, oh, and sauerkraut. I eat, sauerkraut as well. Do you make it yourself or do you? I have not tried to make it myself, stuff. but I buy the good stuff, um, which is pretty readily available as well. Again, if you go to like a nice health food store, they they usually have a good brand of sauerkraut. And it's really which, good. again, you have to trust the label that it's, mm -hmm. you know, cabbage and water and salt, right? right. But uh, generally, if you're, if you're willing to, you know, if they if they've added sugar to a product like that, it usually would meet the requirement that they have to state it. Right. You know, you mentioning that, that's something that a person might be able to, if they're traveling, go to a grocery store and buy as well. If you can find the refrigerated, uh, responsible sauerkraut and bring it into a hotel room if you have a refrigerator. It might not be the yogurt, but at least it's something with some probiotic in it. It's a great idea. Yeah. I yeah, I hadn't thought that. about that. Uh, yeah. Kimchi, Any great little snack if you like kimchi. Um, other types of fermented foods are a good source of probiotic if you can find them easily. Dr. Arjuman says he takes his, I think it's his kimchi, and he puts it in a blender and he makes a sauce out of it. So instead of oh, eating these yummy. big chunks, he's just putting some sauce on whatever he wants. And he said it's really, really good. So a nice, con another condiment. 
That's another fantastic. condiment. You don't need it yeah. in large amounts anyway. You only need a couple of tablespoons mm-hmm. every day. So yeah. Yeah. Kind of what yeah, other I tips really or enjoy. tricks? Do you have any other tips or tricks for people that follow the specific carbohydrate diet? I mean, for me, like working from home was because of COVID has been a double-edged sword. Like it's made following SCD immeasurably easier for me. Um, Cause now, you know, before when I was in the office following SCD, I was preparing all of my food on the weekends, right? Lunch, breakfast, lunch, dinners. It was very um, regimented, uh, right? Um, my breakfasts were, were really great. Actually, I made these little lovely little egg cups, um, you know, a piece of sausage from a local butcher that I can get that I, I trust uh, what he's put in it because I've spoken to him about it. He makes it in his own store himself. So I know exactly what's in it. Um, so I can buy that. Uh, and then, you know, a couple of eggs, some spinach and a little cheese and you bake it in the oven in a baking tray, in a muffin tray. Um, and boy, were they ever great breakfast to bring Do you use muffin? Do you use muffin cup liners or do you just put it in, like uh, oil it down and put it in? I was using a silicone baking tray. So you didn't, I didn't have to in that case, but if I was going to make it in a metal one, I would use a muffin liner for sure. I bet those freeze really well too. They do freeze really well. They're just like a great little, and I mean, I was getting up to two eggs in them. Like it was a really quite a substantial breakfast with and you know with a little fruit or something um that i could bring to work and heat up in the microwave at work nice Um, same thing with lunches you know i was preparing big amounts of like roasted carrots or something that i could take or um you know and i would or i would buy like a melon for the week and just eat that melon as a fruit some snacks for the entire week at work so it was about those sort of foods that can go a long way um for work but now lately, because I'm home, I don't have to plan quite as much. Um, still, obviously, lots of food planning. Just that's the lifestyle of SCD, but uh, but less so than when I was in the office, um, especially with the freezer. I can, you know, if I've made big portions of things, I can just go grab them for lunch. It's relatively easy. Right, right. Have you found that some foods taste even better to you now than they did before when you were... This is just something that's come up a lot on the podcast that you'll bite into an apple and it'll be like, wow, when did apples start tasting so good? <laughs> Has that ever happened to you? You've only been on it well, a year. So. Yeah, yes and no. I mean, like, so <laughs> what I'll say in response to that is that, you know, for me, my parents, because of SCD as well, like always have been big vegetable gardeners. I have a lot of vegetable gardens despite living in the suburbs of Ottawa. Um, I've grow a lot of my own produce and that's what tastes good. Like if you bite into an apple straight from the tree at the orchard, that's the real apple. If you pick your carrot and rinse it off with the hose and eat it, that's when carrots taste like real carrots. So it's not so much about SCD, but I think that might be what you're getting at is that when you make that switch to SCD and you start eating those fresh things that are, you know, really local, locally grown and are of the highest quality, you do notice the flavor improvement. That's a really good point because a lot of us on SCD where we might not have been purchasing, say, organic or locally grown before, now we're more conscientious about doing that. And that might be what the difference is too. But um, I, I just, you know, I just love food. That's never going to change. I just love food. Yeah. 
Yep, exactly. And I'm glad you mentioned that focaccia bread. I hope people do that because that's a really good recipe. Uh, oh, I cannot have... recommend it more. I made that's a curry so version with vegetables in it too. Cause, oh. And that kind of like trying to simulate a vegetable pakora um, to go with some, a curry that I made. And um, it kind of worked. In that one, <laughs> that spinoff needs some fine tuning on my part. But, um, but I think like, I could get it. If I got the seasoning right, it would be delicious. As a so Are we going to be seeing a cookbook from you one of these days? I don't know about that. But, uh, you know, the beauty of um, SCD is kind of once you get like the core principles of how to cook on it, right, you can mess around with a lot of the you know, recipes, right? Like if I know like Ramon's focaccia, that recipe works perfectly every time. So... I took the liberty of messing around with Ramon's focaccia and uh, it still worked. Just my seasoning was off. So, but once you get the principles of, of that recipe, right, then yes, you can start to mess around with it and make it make spinoffs. You are, his is still the best. You are a scientist (laughs) at heart. (laughs) Yeah. No question about that. Yeah. Do you have any, because you love, you love information. Um, any books, videos, documentaries, anything that you've seen or experienced that you would recommend to people as something that they might enjoy following this journey? I mean, you know, the cookbooks um, that have come out for the SCD are phenomenal. Like I can't, like I've said before, I can't recommend Ramon's recipes for the specific carbohydrate diet high, highly enough. Like it, it's a great book. Um the uh, healing foods is out there as well. I, I mean, uh, like a taste of wellness. Um, there's just some really top of the line cookbooks out there um, for the diet. A blog that I've recently follow started following is uh, Life of Happenstance. I'm going to write um, that down so I can. Put I tell it you, in those recipes notes. on that blog are too good. Like. Um, the cashew ice cream mm. is incredibly good. Um, do you need like, an ice cream maker for that or could you do it? You don't, but it's better <laughs> if you have an ice okay. cream maker. So I may, I don't have an ice cream maker. I make it in my freezer. It's still really good and yummy. My mom has an ice cream maker um, and she makes it with that. And it is like, you cannot tell the difference between that and like a phenomenal vanilla ice cream. Um, wow. It is that good and that creamy. The cashew Alfredo that is on that blog as well, like, and that's it, right? Once you, so now this, this cashew sauce that we make in the blender, it can be sweet or savory. It has a lot of potential to make um, creamy foods, essentially simulate creamy foods. Um, And so really, you know, you're limited only by your imagination as to what you can make in that case, right? You're not making a roux with the butter and flour anymore. You can really simulate a lot of good creamy cooking, like, a, you know, in a pot pie or, or different things with that. Uh, so, and all of her recipes are very, very good. So on Life of Happenstance. Life um, of Happenstance. Very good. Yeah. It, is that a good way to thicken foods as well? Do you just reduce the cashew sauce down and it gets thicker? Or are there other methods that you have found to thicken something? That's tough. It's uh, that if you want a creamy food thick, that is a great way to do it um, because it can be quite, quite a thick sauce um, or as thin as you like, really. Right. It's all up to you. 
Um, a nice one way to thicken other foods, like a gravy, for example, that is pretty decent, is um, some really, really reduced onions pureed. Um, if you so like with in the blender, so cook them, you know, caramelize them a lot, mm-hmm. right? Nice and slow, and um, you know, really, really well, and then blend them up, and they can really thicken a gravy quite well mm, and that would be delicious and it's yeah i mean it goes great with a gravy so if you if you don't um you know if you're looking for your because thanksgiving's coming up in the u.s right pretty soon it sure is it sure so, is yeah um so you know that's a really nice way i found to thicken a gravy is the onion trick my, my dad taught me that one that's top oh, notch. good to know good to know anything else you've seen red you can think of um nothing jumps to mind but i mean the beauty of SCD right now is um, is that there's such a great community and people like yeah. m- you know way more than me are experimenting with recipes and and blogs and and putting their stuff out there like the community groundswell behind SCD is is growing and it's just better and better every day um, and people are trying more and more every day so I have total faith that the community will eventually invent a way to make that chewiness of bread you know like i do too it's, I'm, it's I'm only a matter of time strong. right <laughs> i'm not a food chemist so i don't have the the ability to know you know to understand how the almond flour behaves but someone will and uh like so i have total faith in the community eventually getting there with these recipes um because it just they get better and better every every day. I mean, I could never have imagined ten years ago on S like because SCD is my whole life, right? Not as a hundred percent compliant, but part of my life. And I could never have imagined ten years ago SCD ice cream. Yeah. Uh, right. Like no way. Uh, or if it was, it would be a very poor imitation. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and I'll tell you, my grandmother was a brilliant scientist, but and she was an okay cook, but she wasn't a chef right so she never came up with scd ice cream right but that she did her best to come up with some great recipes and she definitely did but you know pushing the limits of what the diet can be in a culinary sense was not what she was there to do um so there's lots of room for for growth in that area and you know and now we need to take the science further as well that's the next frontier of SCD is... Yeah, that was going to be my next question. Science. In fact, my last question, what do you think the future holds for SCD? That is, for me, the most important part of SCD. Um, you know, I've already mentioned, like, the community groundswell, and that's how we will do it. Um, and, uh, you know, but people like Ali are taking the science further. Um there's publications like Samir Kakodkar is taking the science further. And, um, you know, there is this clinical trial going on. Um, I reserve judgment on it at this point. Um, I think Dr. Suskind talked about that. That's um, in the, the interview that I did with him. That, is that the one with Pennsylvania? Yeah, that's the one. I've reached out to them and emailed a bit with the principal investigator on that topic. Um, a little. So, and like I say, I reserve judgment on the results of that study. They're um, testing different foods that are outside of the specific carbohydrate diet to see if there might be a chance that somebody could tolerate it under the right circumstances. Is that right? Am I, do I remember well, that correctly? I, so I, I don't want to mess up 
their study design because I, I haven't read it in a while. Okay. But um, I don't know how thoroughly they're doing the intro diet as part of their study. Okay. So I believe they're SCD compliant. I don't, again, I'd have to go check again. But, and they're comparing it to the Mediterranean oh, diet. That's whatever right. That's that right. exactly now looks I like. I'm not sure. There, yeah, there's a, two or three other diets that they're comparing it to to see over time which ones seem to get the best response from mm-hmm. people. That's what yeah, it is. So I'm going to have a lot of questions when that study comes out. Mm-hmm. For, like, I don't know how long they're making these people follow the diet for. Um, is it long enough? Because we know diet, it helps pretty quickly, but it doesn't help overnight. Um, it takes time for our bodies to adjust, uh, for the intestinal flora community to uh, re-diversify. So it's important that the diet go on for long enough to really see real results before making true conclusions about their effectiveness or not. Um, Same with the intro diet. We know that it does have a function. Again, I don't know, like my grandmother did some early work on this and that's in the book on the role of the intro diet, but there's still, I think, open questions surrounding how important the intro diet is to success on SCD. Um, I personally think it is important. Um, but I don't know how much intro diet they've considered in this, um, UPenn study, if they are doing the intro diet at all or not. So, you know, these are questions that are important. Um, and also like, how are they phasing in foods? Are they going straight to raw vegetables or are they, you know, making people start with cooked, right? Like, and what role does that play? So, you know, um, this study could be great, but I, I'm not totally sure it will be just because Mm -hmm. there are factors that, you know, SCD is so variable that could um, interrupt the results as well. So um, good points on a whole, it's extremely wonderful to see actual clinical studies being done on SCD, actual science being done on SCD. Um, You know, the more, the better. So while I have comments, um, I don't necessarily, I don't condemn in any way what's being done and i fully support it um because you know the more the better and you know early studies like this are what we need to start answering other questions about why scd works and how it works and you know um it's only logical though right that scd works and this is why you know it's sad the medical community took this long to come to this logical conclusion but you know we know food affects your intestinal biodiversity that is a simple fact, I would say, and uh, that has been shown for a long time now. We know that your intestinal biodiversity affects IBD and your future on IBD. That, again, is a simple fact that the literature has now, I would say, pretty resoundingly shown to be true. Um, so it's only logical to say that food affects IBD. Right. Right. And thank God, but like you said, link, the medical community, right, is coming around. That link has been forever and still it's hotly debated like my gastroenterologist has no place for scd or diet in his treatment regimens right he's certainly not opposed to me doing it but uh he certainly isn't recommending it to his patients either unfortunately right and but we need and i can understand why because you know he has a responsibility to provide evidence-based um recommendations to his um patients uh so we need that evidence 
the logic is there, the science is almost there, and that's where it's got to go uh, in future for the for the future of SCD. And the countless people that go on the SCD and find that it really does help them, people that have been able to get around having surgery, people that have been able to go back to living a normal life. And that's the reason for this. The whole reason for this podcast is to allow people to see and hear that it really does work, that there there's so much to it. And people like you, Matt, that are willing to come on and talk about your experiences and your thoughts and your philosophies, I don't know that any of us understand exactly how far that goes with helping others. You know, I can guarantee you that everything you've said today will resonate with so many people that will then turn to other people. It makes a difference. And we never know how much. It's just the universe takes over and it finds its own way. And I can't thank you enough for being part of that. Yeah, my pleasure. Um, you know, for me, I like it really felt like my grandmother, like, you know, she passed away in 05. And uh, for me, like, you know, reached out from beyond the grave in a way to like help me return, you know, save my life, like return to a, a normal adult living his life again. Right. Like that was, I never would have appreciated that gift as a kid, obviously, but you know, she spent her whole life dedicated to that. And uh, so for me, like, yeah, I mean, my mom obviously as well, like just, uh, but now she's also, her legacy is also, you know, revolutionized my life uh, as well. So um, I'm just incredibly grateful for her and the work that she has done. Because I definitely would not be, you know, doing so well without that. Yes. So much of it, so much, so many of us owe so much to your grandmother. And it's wonderful to see now that, like your grandmother, that you are out there talking to people and helping people and passing the good information along. So thank you, Matt, so much for being here with us today. I hope you'll come back on the show again in the future. Thanks. Yeah, we'd love, love to. to see you. It was yeah. really been fun. And I know a lot of people are going to get a lot of out of what you had to say. You take care. You too. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Thank you for listening and thank you for being here today. I hope you enjoyed the show. You can find me, Lee Bernstein, through my website at scd4me.com. Four is F-O-R. There's also links to other social media sites there if you'd like to connect with me on those. If you have questions, comments, suggestions for future shows, or if you have an SCD success story to share, write to me at leebernstein at scd4me.com. A reminder, I am not an SCD expert. Nothing on this show is ever intended as medical advice. Everybody's different. If you have questions about you and your body, always speak to your medical profession. In the meantime, I hope you'll always listen to your gut. I hope you'll stay happy, be well, and always be open to being everything life means for you to be. Take care.